Good morning. And what a joy to worship with you guys this morning. Worship team is fired up today. It's good stuff. Uh, if you're new here, my name's Fred. I'm one of the pastors. I'll be preaching today. I just want to say welcome. Um, we uh, made some hoagies to sell uh, for this weekend. And so if you walked in today and you were like, maybe nobody bathes here. Um, that's just the onions. That's just the hoagies that we made. <laughs> so um, if, you, uh, if you ordered hoagies, make sure you grab those today. Thank you for everybody who supported that fundraising effort. Um, we are ready to go. We've got a team headed to Malawi and we are equipped. We have resources to share with our brothers and sisters there and a lot of great opportunities in front of us. So I just wanna thank you as a church for how you've rallied around that team the last few months to get us ready and uh, to get our, our finances taken care of. Uh, God has got a great, great thing planned for the end of July when we go to Malawi. So looking forward to telling you more about that after the trip. Um, there are extra hoagies, by the way. There are a few extra hoagies. If you didn't order a hoagie but would like to buy one on your way out today, feel free to stop by and inquire about what's left and what's available out there. Uh, July 9th, we have our next Sunday evening service. Uh, we occasionally hold a Sunday evening service with the goal of giving some opportunities to uh, folks who are trying to grow in leadership, both in leading worship and in preaching. And so we have a couple of guys lined up to preach uh, on July 9th, Sunday evening. We have some members of our worship team that are looking to grow and step up who are gonna lead us in worship. So please keep that in mind. We'd love to have you come out for that. And I think that's it by way of announcements. So let's go ahead and get into the word together. We're gonna go to 1 John chapter four. We've been uh, preaching through 1 John uh, for uh, a few weeks now, and we've got a couple of weeks left. That's right, there's one more announcement I'm supposed to make. Uh, July 23rd is Christmas in July. And so please make plans to be here on the 23rd and to bring a friend. This is a great service to invite somebody to. Our, our, kind of our mantra here is that we're gonna do all the things you love about a Christmas Eve service. We're just gonna do them in July. And so we're gonna have candlelight singing. We're gonna have Christmas songs. We're gonna have a Christmas message where we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We're gonna have Christmas decorations. Um, the only thing that will be different is uh, a lot of times for Christmas Eve, we dress up and like put ties on and stuff. Well, because it's July, we're going with more of a beachy theme. And so encourage you to wear a Hawaiian shirt or something like that. If you have a Christmas themed Hawaiian shirt, that's extra points. So uh, have some fun with it and come out July 23rd. Uh, we'd love to have you here for Christmas in July. All right. First John chapter four, let me read verses seven through 21 and then I'll pray and we'll jump in together. Starting in verse seven, it says, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. Verse 14, and we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. 
For whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may, be, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we want to know true love. We want to know what it means to walk with the God who is love. As your, as your word tells us in Romans chapter 12, we are to renew our minds. May, may our minds be renewed this morning by your word. May we, may we have a biblical view of what love is. Give us clarity as we seek you together this morning, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. amen. What is love? What does it mean to love? What does it mean to be loved? What is true love? Love is one of the biggest concepts that affects our lives throughout human history. The absence of love, the experience of true love, the reflecting of God's love to the world, these are the types of things that, that make or break humanity and our individual lives, whether or not you have been loved, whether or not you have the capacity to show love, whether or not you understand what true love is, it's, it's no wonder that so many of our songs and poems have centered around the idea and the theme of love. Perhaps some of these will sound familiar to you. I won't sing them because that would be more offensive than the smell of onions in this building. But how about this one? What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? I want to know what love is and I want you to show me. It must have been love, but it's over now. Our society, our world, it's, it's natural to the human experience to think about love, to, to long for love, to reflect on love, to express love in song, but our expressions aren't always accurate. Our expressions don't always lead us to what love really is. This one might offend some of you because you probably like this song, and that's okay. Um, I don't want to steal your freedom. I don't want to change your mind. I don't have to make you love me. I just want to take your time. Is that, is that a song about love? Or is that a song about, I don't really want to commit, I just want to use you? That's what it is, right? It's, it's, it's just, 
it's, it's kind of an unassuming pickup line. Like, hey, you don't have to love me, but let's go do the thing that is typically an expression of love between two people. What about this, that our, our culture is kind of obsessed with this idea right now, this idea that love is love, that all loves are created equal. What that is, is that's, that's our culture's attempt to attach love to something that at, at one point in time was taboo, as if love is some sort of magic wand that you can wave over any kind of behavior and it becomes okay. Because love is love. You can't differentiate between loves. What if I said, I really love to trip old ladies when they walk by? What would you think? Hopefully somebody would say, well, that's not love. Yes, it is, because I love it. Because I love to do it, that makes it okay, right? Love is love. And if I love to make old ladies fall, who are you to tell me that's wrong? You see what we're doing? You see how silly this is? We're treating love like if you just, if you just call something love, it makes it okay no matter what it is. The reason this is so offensive to God and the reason this must be corrected is because God identifies himself as love. The Bible says that God is love. And so if we are to be God-fearing people, then who are we to take a part of God's character, a part of his nature, and use it to justify sinning against him? We must understand what true love is. So today from 1 John 4, I wanna talk about what true love really is. Some of this might surprise you. Some of this might refresh you. Some of this might challenge you. Let's look at the handout together. The first thing you'll see on there, true love comes from a right relationship with God. True love comes from a right relationship with God. John says it this way in verse seven. He says, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. What John is saying here is that, and understand John's view of love is that there is true love, the kind of love that comes from God and that everything else is false love. Now, that's not to, this gets into semantics quite a bit, obviously. That's not to say that apart from knowing God that you'll never express something that resembles love. The, the point is that there is a true love that you don't have access to until you have a right relationship with God. Paul says in Romans 5, he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, and he defines that as we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the right relationship peace. He says, we have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions 
because we know that our affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. Listen to verse five, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. What Paul is speaking about here is something that only those who have repented of their sins, trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, and been born again have access to. Before you do those things, the Holy Spirit, as described here in in verse 5, has not been given to you. God's love has not been poured into your heart. You do not have access through him by faith into this grace. Salvation unlocks a door that introduces you to true love because true love can only be experienced by having and by being in a right relationship with God. Everything else is artificial love. Everything else, at at, at the very least, falls short of the glory of the true love that is defined here in in, in 1 John 4 as God is love. It's not until you come to know Jesus Christ as Savior that you experience that kind of love. I'll explain that more as we go along. It'll become, hopefully become clear why I can say that with confidence. But for now, let's, let's just understand that apart from a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, you have not yet experienced true love. Hopefully you have experienced other kinds of love. Hopefully you have experienced the earthly love of parents who love you. Hopefully you have experienced the love that exists between friends. Hopefully you've even experienced romantic love, but you've not, you've not tasted of true love until you've come to know Jesus Christ as your savior. There's no other love like that. Every other love falls short. And most often, the types of, the kinds of love that we are singing songs about or that we make movies about aren't about this love. And so I wanna, I I want us as, assuming that you're here because you're a follower of Christ, and if you're not today, could be a great opportunity to to make that change. But assuming you're here because you want to follow Christ, we have to discern the difference between what the world says is love and what God says is love. We need to know love from his perspective. We need to know love as revealed in the scriptures. Love is what God has poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit when we became followers of Christ. Love is, has been, we have been given access by Jesus and by faith in him, we've been given access to true love. Next thing you see on the handout is that true love is revealed in Jesus Christ. Christ. 
true love is revealed in Jesus Christ. Verse nine says, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. One of John's themes, he, you see this in his gospel. If you read uh, even, well, even just the first chapter of John's gospel, as well as first John, you'll see one of the themes is that God is being revealed to humanity through his son, Jesus Christ. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. How are we going to know God's love? Through the son. God makes his love known. He makes his love manifest in the world, on the earth, by sending his one and only son. And he does this so that we might live. The greatest expression of love, the greatest demonstration of what love is and what love can do is God sending his son into the world. Because when he sent his son, he sent his son intending to offer him as a sacrifice for your sins. That's the greatest gift of love ever. That's the greatest demonstration of love ever. There has never, ever been. Take your, your favorite romantic movie that ends with some sort of sacrifice as a demonstration of love. Mine's Independence Day. Um, nobody else? Okay, cool. Um, I've never seen, I'm very proud of this, by the way. I've never seen The Notebook. Never watched that movie. And Lord willing, I will die on this earth having not seen The Notebook. Take the greatest expression of love that you can think of and, and, and evaluate it. And what was the end result? The best that we can come up with is that one person dies so that another person or perhaps several other people will live for a few more years on earth. That's the greatest expression of love that we can manufacture. Two people love each other, some danger threatens to kill one of them and the other person steps in and takes their place so that they might live a few more probably miserable years on earth because now the person they love the most is dead. That's the best we can come up with. God sent his son so that every single person who would believe in him can live blissfully for all of eternity in his presence. Do you see how silly it is to compare the love that we have with the love that God expresses. True love is revealed in Jesus. He's the ultimate expression of love. That's why John three sixteen says, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is true love. The gifting to sinners who deserve punishment, eternal life in 
in a world that God has prepared and created to be blissfully enjoyed for eternity. That is true love. Now, let's go back to this idea of love giving permission to do anything that we want. Because what we're gonna see next, you'll see on the handout, is that true love addresses sin. Lest we think that love is justification for any behavior or any lifestyle that we choose to live in, let's, let's understand that God consistently, because of love, addresses sin. Because sin is the enemy of love. Sin destroys what God creates. Sin destroys what God loves. Sin destroys what God has in mind for those he loves. And so true love addresses sin. Verse 10 in our passage says, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God, because he loved us, addresses sin. How does, how does he primarily address sin? He primarily addresses sin by sending his son to, to be a sacrifice on our behalf. That means that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. He died for my sins. He died for your sins. He died so, so that he could take the punishment on himself that you and I deserve for our sin. Now, does that mean that there is no longer any need to address sin? Paul answers that question very clearly in response to the gospel, in response to what Jesus has done for our sins. He says in Romans 6, verses one and two, he says, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? That's, that's one response. People might say, well, since Jesus died for sins and since he gets glory for being willing to die for our sins. Should we just keep on sinning? And Paul says, absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Paul is calling believers to recognize that sin is the enemy of God's love, that sin is the reason that Jesus had to die, that sin is eating away at your soul. We are called to turn from sin. There's a movement today just amongst our culture, even amongst some churches, to sort of redefine who Jesus was and who Jesus is. And that, that redefining is leaning strongly towards Jesus is okay with whatever kind of sin you live in. He's okay with whatever lifestyle you choose. He's okay with, he loves you the way you are. That's partially true. That's, the, that's the, the danger in most lies is that they're partially true. If something's just blatantly and obviously false 100%, then most of us will recognize it. But the danger is, in, in lies like this is that there's a little bit of truth in them. He does love you now, 
But that does not mean he wants you to stay the way you are. Jesus consistently confronted sin. He consistently told people to stop sinning. He turned people away from following him because they loved their sin. That's not the Jesus that our culture is portraying today. Our culture is portraying this Jesus that's just gonna allow you to keep being who who you want to be. But, but, But true love addresses sin. True love understands the danger that sin poses. True love understands what it cost God to repair the damage done by sin. And so for us to walk in true love, we have to take sin seriously, both in our lives and in the lives of the people that we love. It's if somebody that you love uh, becomes or chooses to begin using addictive drugs, do you say, that's okay, I just love you the way you are? Or do you say, I love you, and because I love you, I I wanna help you understand the danger of what you're doing. I wanna help you understand that this is a destructive behavior. I wanna help you understand that this is not going to end well for you. This is not ultimately what is good for you. So we, we understand that sin is destructive And so because of that, true love must address sin. Next, the next thing you'll see on your handout is that true love shows that we are walking with God. That last one, by the way, that true love addresses sin, it's it's tricky, isn't it? It's tricky, especially when the, the, the entire flow of culture is redefining right and wrong apart from the Bible now. I mean, that's what's going on. We've pushed the Bible aside. We're, we're, um, we're calling on some higher authority that no longer exists to somehow come up with right and wrong. And of course, that results in a big mess. Like society's very confused right now. The world, because we have rejected the truth of scripture, is very confused, and so it's tricky. It's tricky, how, how do we love and address sin? And that, that calls for wisdom. But, but true love will guide us in that wisdom. True love will help us know when, when and how to speak out against sin and when and, and how to reflect the love that God has shown to us. And so I just wanted to, real quickly, before we moved on, acknowledge how difficult that can be. Let's look at this one. True love shows that we are walking with God. Verse 11 says, Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. How do we know that we're walking with him? How do we know that we're really living the the Christian life? He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, 
God remains in him and he in God and we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. He says that again. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. One of the key marks of somebody who's really following Christ, one of the key characteristics of somebody who's truly walking with God is that the love of God will will be displayed in their lives. That the love of God will be made manifest through us. John says uh, that nobody has ever seen God and, and that statement almost seems out of place here until you realize that, that what he's saying though is, but they've seen us. And having seen us, have they seen a reflection of who God is? Have they seen enough of his love shining through us, enough of his love being extended through us to know what he is like? That's a lot of responsibility. God is not coming to physically live among us yet. (laughs) Someday we will be physically in his presence. What he's doing instead is he is pouring his spirit into the lives and into the hearts of his people. And he's expecting them to be a sufficient witness of his goodness, of his grace, of his holiness, of his love. He's expecting us to live the Christian life sufficiently so that the people around us know what he's like. That's a pretty wild concept, isn't it? A couple, uh, a couple weeks ago, I wore one of my redemption t-shirts to Jerry's Custard. And it provoked a a number of conversations. And it was such a reminder to me that like, if I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna have this this label on me, if I'm gonna go out and represent Redemption Church, then I better represent Redemption Church well, right? If I'm gonna go out and say, hey, look at me, I go to Redemption Church, then I better not be acting crazy. I better not be flipping people off because they cut in front of me. I better not be losing my mind and, and acting like a fool. I better be representing well. And that's, that's just Redemption Church. How much greater is the responsibility to represent God? Christian, you are the one that the world is looking at and saying, show me what this God is like. There's a saying that says to many people, you're the only Bi- your life is the only Bible they'll ever read. And the, the, the idea behind that I think is pretty solid. That we are to be witnesses. That's all throughout scripture. That was God's plan. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, see you later. <laughs> and he left his people indwelt by his Holy Spirit to be his representatives on the, on the earth. How are we doing? How can we do this better? What would it look like for us to express 
the love that God has poured into our hearts to this world that is lost and dying and in need of a savior. True love will show that we're walking with God. Next, let's look at the the next one. True love gives us confidence regarding our future. This one's pretty interesting because John pivots from how we represent Christ to the world to what this means for us personally in regards to standing before God. He says in verse 17, and this love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. The love of God, this true love that we're talking about, will give you confidence if you truly understand God's love for you, if you truly understand the sufficiency of what he has done in sending his son Jesus to die in your place, if you truly understand how completely he has taken away your sin and how completely he has made atonement through the sacrifice of his son for all that you have done to offend him, for all that you have done to destroy his creation, for all that you have done to reject his rule over your life. He has paid for all of it through Jesus Christ crucified. Therefore, this love made complete with us gives us confidence to stand before him. Our confidence comes from his love. Our confidence comes not from our behavior. Our confidence comes not from our moral Conduct, our confidence comes from his love expressed in Jesus Christ crucified. You can stand before God to be judged with confidence because you know you have a sufficient Savior. You know that God was pleased to send forth his Son. You know that God delighted to make atonement for your sins, to make provision for your salvation through sending his son. Fear involves punishment. Fear involves, I am am not going to be treated well. (laughs) Fear involves, this is what my my mom uh, growing up, she would try to, uh, to instill fear in me by saying things like, you wait till your father gets home, (laughs) you know, things like that. (laughs) But we know that when we see our father, we're, we're not going to see him to receive punishment, that that punishment has already been made, that we are going to receive love, we are going to receive grace, we are going to receive mercy because of the one who died in our place. True love gives us confidence to stand before God. And that confidence should not just apply to the future. That confidence should, we need to apply that same confidence today. Oh, I messed up. When you, when you, when you mess up, do you run from God or do you run to God? When you do something that you know you shouldn't have done that has offended him, 
Do you, do you steer away? Do you avoid coming to church? Do you avoid opening your Bible? Do you avoid prayer? Or do you run to him? The answer to that question tells you so much about how you view God, about how you view the gospel, about how you view the sacrifice of Jesus. If you have fear before God, now don't get me wrong, there is a healthy reverence of God's holiness. But if you have fear because of punishment, if you are afraid, oh no, he's really gonna make me pay for this you have not come to understand the gospel. Perfect love drives out fear. True love drives out fear. So the one who fears, John says, is not complete in love. If you are not complete in love today because you fear God's punishment for your sins, don't be discouraged but be motivated to get to know the gospel. Be motivated to get to know the way God has loved you by sending his son to die for your sins. Lastly, the last thing you see in your handout, true love is a necessary response to God's love. True love is a necessary response to God's love. John says these very well-known verse of, of John's letter here. We love because he first loved us. Think about what that means for you today. What if God had chosen not to love you? What if God had chosen not to demonstrate his love for you by sending his son to die in your place? Where would that leave you today? Imagine being born into a world like this one and not being loved by God. That would be hell. To be, to, to be forced to exist forever and not be loved by God. That changes everything. But the good news of the gospel is that he has loved you. The good news of the gospel is that we can love because he first loved us. Verse 20 says, if anyone says, I love God, though, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. We have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother or sister. This, this is what I'm saying, it's a necessary response. If you, if you love God, you have to love your brother and sister. John says the opposite of what we think is true. We think that it's easier to love God than to love the people that we can see. But John says that if you, if you can't love the people that you can see, how can you possibly love God whom you cannot see? The command is the one who loves God must also love the one he can see. You must love your brother and sister. This is, to do this, we have to do the hard work of applying the gospel to how we think about other people. We have to, we have to commit ourselves to seeing people from God's perspective. We have to view people, we have to put on our gospel lenses and we have to view people and say, God loves them so much, he sent his son. 
He sent his son to die in their place. John seems to suggest if we can't do that, we can't love God. And yet so many of us struggle to do that. I mean, let's be honest here. Just just because somebody goes to the same church as you doesn't mean you like them. There, There are people that bother you. If you were to be honest today, are there not people that when you see them, you're like, geez, I hope I don't have to run into them in heaven. (laughs) When we think that way, we're not thinking through the lens of the gospel. We have to remember that just as God's plan is to perfect us, just as God's plan is to transform us, to be who he created us to be, and we won't be the same in heaven, they won't be the same either. I would suggest there is not a brother or sister in Christ whom you won't be absolutely delighted to see in heaven. That might be hard to imagine now, but you won't have to imagine it then. It'll be reality. So why not love them now? Why not, why not see them the way God sees you? God doesn't just see you as you are. He knows what you're going to become. He knows what he's, he's transforming you to be. So why not see the people around you in that same way? Why not look past the things that irritate you about them? Why not look past the things that they have done to wrong you? Why not look past and see, but I know who God wants them to be. And I know who the gospel is transforming them to become. That kind of love, that's our necessary response to God's love. He commands it. Another way of saying that is he demands it. He, he, it's an imperative. It's a command that we must follow. We, if we are going to love God, we must love the people that we can see. That's the hard work of applying the gospel to how you view the people around you. I hope you can see how different true love is, how different God's love is than the love that this world is so often infatuated with. That how different it is from the love that this world becomes mesmerized with. True love True love, which comes from God, it, it, it is revealed to us only through a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you see why? You could never see this kind of, you could never experience this kind of love. You couldn't know this kind of love apart from knowing Jesus Christ as your savior. Because you won't understand it. You have no you have no frame of reference for understanding. You don't have the proper context for understanding what true love is until God's mercy and forgiveness has been poured out upon your own soul. And you have been made right before God through the actions of a loving Savior. And this love will never be known apart from knowing Jesus Christ. Therefore, we we must show this world what it's like to be loved by God.
We must show this world what it's like to be loved by a God who sends his one and only son to buy back, to redeem, to save those who were once his enemies. Would you pray with me? Jesus, as we consider what it means to know your love, to reflect your love, to express your love to this world, I pray that the transformative power of the gospel would flood into our hearts and minds in a way that we want to love the people around us, that we want to love the people in our church family, that we want to love the people that we work with, that we want to love our neighbors, that we want to love everyone that our paths cross with. That could only come from you. In, in our own nature, we don't desire to love everyone. We desire to love those who make us feel good, for those we enjoy being around, those who think like us or act like us. That, that comes somewhat naturally, but we're asking for a supernatural love to flood our hearts that manifests itself in love for the people around us so that those who are primarily apart from you would see the love of the gospel manifest in our lives. So that those who don't know what it's like to have a savior might begin to understand what it could be like and that they would hunger and thirst for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, if there's anybody here today who finds themselves in that very position, they have not experienced true love because they've not responded to the gospel. God, would today be the day that you call them to believe, to trust in Jesus Christ as their savior, to lay down their sins at the cross and to receive the forgiveness and eternal life that Jesus offers. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.